I raised the teacup to my lips, turned the newspaper page, and there she was. Her amber eyes turned to black, and somewhere the scent of decaying flowers. Only later, after I had swept up the shattered china, did I realise why I had not spotted the obituary at once. Twenty-five years ago, the dictator's wife would have commanded the cover. Now she had been bumped to page three. I put the paper in the bin, then took it out again, the dark web of ink at odds with the Devon sun. This time I was not imagining it, the whiff of something rotting. The funeral was in three days. I'll have to go, you know, I said to the cat. He glared up at me, as if asking why I would do such a thing. I did not reply, though the answer burned nevertheless. To make sure she is dead. The plane was small and not busy. I sat in a row on my own, along from some Eastern European women visiting home, the glaring yellow of the airline's livery reflecting unfavourably off their tired faces. Long before the dawn clawed at the grubby hotel curtains, I was up and dressed. I felt the churchyard before I saw it. A hush surrounded it, silencing the gathering crowd. Some observers crossed themselves, others hesitated, hands frozen before their hearts. I stepped through the gate and braced myself. Nothing, only the shrieks of the crows in their shabby black. Was I free, at last, of her influence? Perhaps, but I had long since learned that enslavement may be just as imperceptible as freedom. I found a space among the mourners. They watched with their whole bodies, these people, I remembered now. In this particular corner of Eastern Europe, the eyes were larger, darker, with the look of animals calculating whether to run. When I had last come to this country, twenty-five years ago, I had disliked that I was born one of them, a watcher. Here, too, I had learned to be glad of it. It had saved me more than once. It was surprisingly warm in the sunshine, and as we waited, I began to sweat. In Devon, it was winter, but in Eunusia, spring had sprung like a trap, though snow lurked still in the shadows of the gravestones. I removed my coat, then my jumper, quickly, uneasy about obscuring my vision. As I did so, the crowd gave a sigh. I wrenched the wool over my head and saw the church doors open. She who carries the scar remembers. She who gives the scar forgets. An old Eunusian saying, and as I watched that plain wooden box, utterly free of adornment, I remembered. No wonder the government had arranged the First Lady's funeral in such haste. They would all be trying to forget, to purge themselves of the woman whose influence still ran liquid in their veins, who had burrowed into their very marrow. In the trees the crows screamed, but the ensnared faces around me did not look up. I heard someone mutter a single word, and now at last I felt it, that odd mixture of enchantment and dread. Vragitoire, witch. Only when the coffin crossed the churchyard boundary, bound for the cemetery, did the mourners exhale, hardly knowing why. I crushed a small heap of snow with my foot. It was over. Maria Popper was gone. Her secrets departed with her. Death is a great leveller. It makes everyone uninteresting. 
The men are always kind and funny, the women beautiful. What happens to the dull, the ugly and the cruel? Perhaps they live forever. I turned to leave, but as I did so, among the smartly dressed morning party, Pavel? It was him. Older, stooped, but distinctly him. He turned, not, it seemed, because he wanted to, but because he was compelled. To my amusement, the dyed black hair still clung on grimly, though the underlying colour must long ago have bleached to white. Laura Lazarescu, he said. Those dark eyes. My God, what are you doing here? Same as you, I indicated the morning party, only from the outside. Christian Pavel, consummate insider. Of course, my old boss had wangled himself an invitation. He blended in perfectly with his immaculately cut coat and shining shoes, while my hair was mussed and my arms full of clothing. Even as I stood there, my jumper detached itself and fell to the floor. I scrabbled for it, my fingers accidentally making contact with his foot, and rose to find him staring at the point where my skin had met the polished leather. I strangled a smile. He hadn't changed. But I had. <laughs>